as always. It's got to make up its mind, you know? Hey, there it is. All right. Did we do it? Sweet. We are, we are live. We did it. We did it. Hooray. Finally. <laughs> We're here. Uh, uh, Jeff, couldn't have said it better myself. Excited to be here. Getting cozy. Yeah, pl please lean back and get cozy. It's a little creepy when you uh, when you lean forward. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, this, this is an optimal setup. I think John's had it right the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Get yourself an easy chair and just kick back, my friend. <laughs> People say, uh, rocking the, uh, the shades. Love them. Those are some fancy glasses. Um, I told Rhett right before the show, I really hate it when I buy a prop or some piece of apparel to buy it ironically to like rock for an ad or you know as a joke for one time like hey these glasses look like funky man like let, let's try them on and now i have to decide them if i'm going to wear them ironically or i'm just going to wear them because they look <laughs> so goddamn good they look great <laughs> i Let's mean get a little bit of a like a welcome to the internet oh totally Th these are <laughs> these are like the spitting image of uh of bose glasses from welcome to the internet have a look it. around yeah yeah no so uh yeah now i have to decide if i'm actually going to wear them because uh i kind of like them <laughs> you've uh, you're wearing them with a few hundred of your closest friends and yeah. uh um so i I, I got two pair. Uh, I got I got the black ones too. So I. Wait, what, what color were the other ones? The other ones are silver. Oh, oh, the frames. Yeah, the yeah. frames. Yeah. Well, I was telling you right before we started. The funny thing is, I I just got some uh, ones that look like that that are uh, red lenses. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. we'll see how long they take to get delivered. Yeah. What's funny is the silver ones are just your regular smoked lens. And then this one is more of the, like your, your dad in the 1980s lens. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the, the Auburn, uh, lens. So I dig it. Not that I need sunglasses. Cause I've got the, uh, the active, uh, right. Yeah. Glasses, but, uh, yeah. So nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Jeff, are you doing a Leon, the professional cosplay? You know, that could actually, I could totally rock that. Thank you for my costume next year if I don't get my Mando costume built by then. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, about two minutes into it. So welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 263, your once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Rhett. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read in the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel, and I feel like it. Uh, <laughs> we do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll <laughs> get access to my exclusive Discord server, where hopefully I won't drown on my own spit while trying to get through an intro. <laughs> It's like, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. It's a big ask. Yeah, it, it is it's a big, big ask. ask. Yeah. 
Yeah. So how did Jeff die? Funny story. <laughs> uh, Jamie Heineman, is that you? I always felt like I was more of an Adam Savage, but, uh, you know, those glasses are, are definitely straight out of Jamie's. Uh, Same with the hat, warehouse. man. Oh, the, you know, now that I think about it, my, my attire is definitely way more slanted towards Jamie. Oh, yeah. Like, like dude, I, I hadn't even thought about, you know, the flat cap with, with these glasses on. Yeah. I was Jamie wants you... big boom. I was thinking uh, a little bit more Sorry, like. Sorry, is this uh, better? <laughs> Get the walrus going on. The glasses got like a Matt Murdock thing going on, like Daredevil, you know. But oh yeah, uh, yeah. Not with the hat exactly, but I, I don't know. You know, he's a New York boy. Yeah, flat caps are kind of a East Coast thing. Yeah, I've no, seen uh, blinders. Honestly, the flat cap is another thing that I bought ironically, and I went, you know what that. I've always wanted to have a hat that was just slightly, slightly different uh, right. because I've, I've always been a hat person. I've got dozens upon dozens of, of ball caps and, and all kinds of different hats. Uh, I've got a couple different hats for like winter weather. If I'm working outside, I've actually got like a full, you know, waterproof. You'd call it a cowboy hat, but it's a specific type of like rain hat and whatnot. Uh, but uh I've always been a hat person, but it's like, okay, which hat do I want to like make me like signature, like that kind of thing. What's yeah. on brand for Jeff. And, uh, I bought the, the flat cap ironically to send to someone as a joke. And, uh, it came in the mail and I, I went ahead like, uh, Oh, look at me. I'm a, I look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happened to me with my dumb, like red ball cap that everybody's probably seen at this point. Yeah. Like I got that thing when I was like 15 years old and my buddy's dad worked at Nike and he came home and he's like, look at these boxes of hats. Aren't they all so dumb? These were the rejects. And I pulled that red one out that has like the Argyle pattern on it, yeah. you know, and and I was like, look at this. This is the dumbest one in here. And I put it on. And I was like, well, it fits. <laughs> and then it just like never left my wardrobe. I, I, I have a Florida State Seminole hat. That's the exact same thing. Someone was like, yeah, I don't need this anymore. Do you want it? And it was one of the nicer Nike with the elastic band on the back of it. You know, like the uh, the any size fits all fit, you know, form to your head. And I'm like, Florida State, who the heck? I guess I'm a Seminole fan now. OK. <laughs> so love it. Yeah. Uh, that's how my fashion goes is buy something you think will look stupid. And you're like, apparently that's me. I've just leaned into it. I'm wearing a, a sweater with like cows and stuff on it right now. You guys can't quite see it. But, what is it know. under 80 in your house? Need well, a sweater tonight? I'm in the basement. So am I. Little bit. Yeah, your basement's a lot warmer with your computers and your servers and your. It's true. My basement gets cold enough. I have a fireplace right behind me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Anyway. Let's go ahead and get this show on the road. Uh, starting with, I guess, Brett, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I did start the party earlier over at uh, Ratchet Brewing. And uh, there you go. You, you, you can't uh, let your annual existential crisis pass you by without going and getting some uh, birthday beers at your favorite brewery. Uh, you didn't tell me it was your birthday today. Yeah, I know. Isn't that cute how I did that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Slide it in there. 
I've got that saggy energy. That's something we do. We can't ever let people forget about it, but we'll hold it against you when you forget. Right, so, right. Uh, but uh, I'm going to start with the uh, Mac and Jack's African Amber Ale. This is one of my favorite beers. It is so good, so malty, but so drinkable. And uh, it's hard to get down here in Oregon. This is uh, brewed up in Redmond, Washington. Uh, I think it's about, yeah, it's 5.8%. And um, this stuff's so good if you can ever get it on tap. And I managed to find a six-pack of it over at TJ's. So Yeah. Well, I am putting you in my phone right now because I have your number, so might as well add the birthday to it. Here we go. Details. Edit that contact. And hey, he's got a birthday. I'm not going to shame you with the year. I'll just mark it down that you were born like in 2024. <laughs> it's all right. Everybody knows I'm the youngest one over in Craft uh, Computing Headquarters. So it's exactly right. Yeah, e uh, even Baby X is actually older than you. It's kind of the weird <laughs> dynamic we have going on. <laughs> Yeah, it makes things awkward around the office. Yep, yep. What are you going to do? All right, so I've got a couple of uh, more playful uh, beverages tonight. Uh, and I'm not sure which one I want to go with first. Um, so I've got an IPA. I've got a Block 15 IPA from down in Corvallis, Oregon, uh, which they're normally known for their big dank bomb IPAs, like bong water style IPAs. This one I don't think is going to be that. Uh, so this is the Block 15 Animal Cookies IPA. Uh, brewed for the hop-loving animal inside you, this can is packed with sticky, pungent hops. Unleash a swirling circus of pineapple, tangerine, mako, pine, and dank herb hop character, balanced with pale malt and malted oats for a soft mouthfeel and gentle finish. So that's Animal Cookie IPA. Uh, I've also got an Angry Orchard. Um, yes, yes, I know. Calm down, not craft. I don't care. Uh, it's I had, good. I had to get this one. Uh, so I've got a cider on the show tonight. This is the old-fashioned cocktail-inspired Angry Orchard. Uh, so with notes of cherry, orange peel, and vanilla. So there we go. I think I'm going to start with the cider, because I bet that's going to be a little bit better cold than warm. And then uh, we'll go with the IPA later. So, Angry Orchard, old-fashioned, cocktail-style hard cider. Yum. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you need to play the drums to drink the Animal IPA? Uh, it's the Animal Cookie IPA, not Animal! But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, a little drum backing wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think. If you guys want, I can pan my camera just over here a little ways. And yeah. We got the whole nine yards set up. Two drum sets are set up over here. Uh, Cosworth says, Craft Computing, you need to rock a fedora while reviewing the shortcomings of fedora. The shortcomings of the fedora or of fedora OS? I'm assuming you mean the OS, but uh, I mean, both are applicable. Uh, note to self as well, Craft Computing needs a tactical hat with a patch that says cloud computing just means someone else's hardware. Uh, 
I've never been a fan of the the tactical gear. Uh, CFQ says he wears his flat cap backwards. I've done that a couple of times. Uh, I don't think I've done it on camera, but I have I have done that a couple of times. Um, the main reason I'm a hat person is to keep water off my glasses. Uh, you know, to keep number one sun off my eyes for if I have a migraine that day. Uh, and number two, it rains a lot here, and so keeping raindrops off my glasses. That's why I adopted the hat in the first place. And again, if I'm going to wear a hat all the time, might as well be fashionable. Daddy's got that drip. Yeah, got that drip going on. <laughs> all right. Let's see. We do have uh, a couple of things in chat going on right now. Uh, Hops and Brews wants to remind everyone that the secret Santa opening for Craft Computing uh, Western Hemisphere is going on tonight. Uh, I guess Western Hemisphere, yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, view that, uh, you are more than welcome to join as long as there's room. I think there was, there's going to be room. Uh, but uh, yeah, we did a Secret Santa exchange on the Discord server, and tonight is the North American, Western Hemisphere, whatever you want to call it, uh, beer opening. And then on Saturday, we are doing an EU, Eastern Hemisphere, so EU and Australia, uh, beer opening. Uh, Saturday, noon Pacific, whatever time over there. <laughs> so yeah, join us for some fun. Uh, Novella Hub opened a brewing project, uh, Smoofie, S-M-O-O-F-E-E, -E. strawberry, tangerine, banana, and vanilla, fruited sour, 6.5%, uh, 4.22 on untapped. We are uh, hitting way up there. Uh, remix reviews, Jeff, any holiday beers you're currently enjoying? Um, I love winter ales. Uh, almost as much as I love fresh hop season and stout season. Uh, but there's this nice little in-between where it's not quite winter yet. I'm, I'm not quite ready for like nothing but 12% stouts, uh, but we're well past fresh hop season and it's that winter ale mm, goodness stuff. Uh, I love a lot of the West Coast classics. Uh, so you've got, uh, gosh, uh, Elysian's, uh, Winter Ale, which one is that? Gosh, I had it just the other day. Bifrost. Bifrost, yes, Bifrost. Uh, the Bifrost Winter Ale. Um, you have like Deschutes Jubilee. Yeah, there's Jubilee. There's uh, Ninkasi Slayer is another phenomenal one. Um, there's Ten Barrel Pray for Snow uh, is a fantastic winter ale. And actually they have a new uh, one called Pray for Pow, which is a winter stout. Uh, but a lighter bodied stout. It's like six and a half percent, but I thought it was good. Probably not quite as good as the, as the Pray for Snow, but it's, it's definitely up there. Uh, I'm a sucker for all of those. Uh, uh, let's see. Fort George does an amazing winter IPA called the Magnanimous IPA. Uh, mm. and it's, it's literally like biting into a pine tree. Uh, so if you're into that style of hop, it's, it's fantastic. Um, you, you Silver open Falls. it and it smells like Christmas. Silver Falls has like a really good, like uh hazelnut winter ale. And it's almost like a Brown. I think it's like really nice. It's just, 
very aromatic and warm and spicy. Uh huh. It's good. Nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, so yeah, take your pick. Remix. Uh, those are all fantastic and and limited edition. They they only sell them for about six to eight weeks out of every year. So get them while you can. Uh, Active Life, or no, sorry, Jason, I almost missed you. Uh, Jason's drinking a Widmer Brothers uh, Juicy Sunrise. I have not had that one from Widmer. I might need to go pick that up, 6.8%. Active Life is drinking an Old Fashioned with Wild Turkey 101, Spiced Cherry Bitters, and Bourbon Bada Bing Cherries. I love Bing Cherries, Uh, especially Bourbon Barrel Aged, or actually, I have been on a Rum Barrel Aged Cherry Kick as of late. I've been doing a lot of those in Old Fashions. Um, So, uh, yeah, those are always fantastic. Uh, let's see. And let's see, we got got at least one more. Williams got in with a can of Red Hook Ale, uh, Storm Surge Hazy IPA, 6.8%. Excellent. Well done, everybody. Getting into the holiday season with a couple of your favorite brewskis. Uh, and finally, we got a couple of super chats. Uh, Parker sends over five dollars. Says, "Keep on crafting." Um, if only I could share you share with you my current crafting project. Uh, I was actually working on it out in the garage today. We can't say anything about it because it's a present for someone. Um, but Rhett got to preview it, and holy crap, I'm really proud of this thing. <laughs> it's pretty dope, and I was a little jealous. I mean, I was like, "It's my birthday," and this guy's working on this cool present for somebody else. <laughs> like, come on, dude! Uh, no, so, like kidding. you to hold a grudge? <laughs> That's the Sagittarius in me, Jeff. That's the fire sign coming out. Can't help it, you know. It's in my stars. I feel like Saggy's more of an excuse for you to be a dick. Well, to non-astrology people, that's true. But I, to me, I'm a big <laughs> believer of astrology, as you can tell. I buy into it exactly once every 365 days. Yep. And <laughs> yep. No, but it was a very cool present. I was, was like, you're kind of talking about it, and I thought it would be a cool idea. I could easily vi- visualize it, but then it was another thing to sort of see it come together. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I went, this is going to take way too much time. And then the day that I was talking about, like, like, like I had, like, the idea in my head, that day I couldn't sleep. And so I went to bed at, like, 9 o'clock, and I still couldn't sleep. So I woke up at, like, midnight, and I just came down to my office, and I drafted the entire thing. Because the enti- I knew the entire thing was going to take me like four hours to actually like design and and everything else. Yeah, knocked it out. Rhett walked in the next morning and I said, "Guess what I did last night?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Kurt has two dollars. Uh, any thoughts on Arc QSV? So that's Quick Sync Video Support for Plex or Jellyfin. Um, if you virtualize either of those. Um, you need to make sure of a couple of different things that you are passing through your CPU as a host CPU through the hypervisor and not randomly assigning it or just giving it a Proxmox CPU or or generic CPU for virtualization. It has to see that it has access to 
the actual physical host hardware. Um, and there's a couple of different flags that you also need to set in your VM in order to get QuickSync to work on Plex. If you're running it on bare media or bare metal, uh, then yeah, QuickSync works just fine in either Jellyfin or Plex. With Plex, you do need the Plex Pass for hardware encoding. So keep that in mind. You need to be uh, either an active subscriber or have a lifetime membership. Uh, also another $2 from Kurt. I'm thinking about an A380 to accelerate a server. I have not tested any of the encoding uh, on the new Intel cards. I know the A380 is very high on the list for a number of different people for encoding tasks, uh, mainly because of the AV1. Uh, which I don't think Jellyfin or Plex have AV1 support yet. And I almost guarantee that your client devices outside of PCs are gonna have AV1 decode yet. Um, but that is pretty much the next main codec that looks like it's going to receive mainstream support. Uh, YouTube is even leaning that way for even on video uploads, supporting AV1 uh, for them to be able to uh, to break down to their their stream bitrate that they want to hit. Uh, at the moment, H.264 is pretty much still the standard for YouTube. They haven't even moved on fully to X.265 yet. So, uh, but I'm sure as soon as Plex or and or Jellyfin get AV1 support, it'll be all over the home lab and and self-hosted uh, forums. So keep an eye out. Uh... Thiago uh, sends over 10 R dollars. I'm not sure what R is, but I'm celebrating my IT, uh, ITIL uh, V4 certification with you. Well, thank you. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's super cool. Uh, I, I have a number of certs. Uh, all of my certs are very much outdated. Uh, I think my most recent certification, most of my certifications are around like Windows Server 2008 R2. <laughs> so once I got those, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Classic Jeff. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even alive yet. Uh, YouTube does VP9 for anything over uh, 1080. Yes, they do accept VP9 for anything over 1080. The problem is, have you tried encoding in VP9 and and then storing those those video files? Yes, they're excellent video files, but the compression isn't great. <laughs> uh, and then I'll take one more question. Janos wants to know XEPNG versus Proxmox. Thoughts? Oh, that's a me versus Tom Lawrence fight. Um, I love Proxmox. He love XCPNG. They're both phenomenal tools. Um, I I like more of the the KVM architecture than I do the uh, uh, Zen architecture, and that's really all it comes down to is kind of what your backend virtualization software stack is. Uh, KVM has just always made more sense to me, and to me has been easier to navigate coming from a fully-fledged Linux background. Whereas if you come at it from virtualization and then and then into it, if you're coming from more of like a VMware background or even Zen Orchestra, yeah, absolutely, XCPNG is going to make a little bit more sense to you. So I think it's six one, half a dozen another. I, I have no problem installing either as a base uh, for 
very, very large deployments. Uh, R is Brazilian, Brazilian Real. So uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you. Cheers down in Brazil. Cool, cool. Uh, Craft Computing, are you going to be doing a giveaway when you hit 500,000 subs? Um, I really don't do giveaways here on this channel. Uh, it's not anything personal against you guys. I, I think you guys are all awesome. Uh, it's just when you do giveaways on YouTube, I honestly do think it kills any organic growth and natural traction you may have. Uh, and so it's just something I've always shied away from. That and I just don't have the stomach for dealing with the constant, hey, can I have one of these? Uh, can, can I get one of those? Like, I, I know you, you just gave away like a $2,000 computer to someone, but you know, I'm a poor college kid and boy, I could sure you like, yeah. everyone's got a sob story. Everyone's got everything else. And it's nothing against anyone else. It's just, I don't want to deal with that BS. Right. <laughs> so. And like, and, and, and I'm sure that this doesn't apply to anybody that's here, but you know, one of the things that you see or hear quite often from other YouTubers or content creators is like, they do giveaways and they have to keep doing giveaways they have to keep doing giveaways to keep their audience and it it kills a lot of their uh audience retention because people right. will only watch a video if it has a giveaway in it right. um and uh it's just something i i've never wanted to do i do want to work with uh some aspects of the community as far as potentially giving back and so instead of doing like giveaways or putting my tutorial, my fully fledged tutorials, deep dives behind paywalls, I've just always given that information out for free. And and to me, that that is way more beneficial than giving someone a, a PC or a graphics card or anything like that. Right. Um, and so it's just a little bit different school of thought, yeah. business plan, what have you. Uh, Plus, we've seen what could happen to people that do giveaways wrong. And, you know, and they're just like, that's the reroll. That's the reroll. You know? I mean, and they just what have they done for me lately? Overnight. Like. <laughs> I mean, would craft computing get in over their heads like that? I mean, no, I don't. I But I don't think artesian builds thought they would either. So. <laughs> He's just driving his BMW i8 into work, thinking today's going to be a normal day. I'm going to wear my Star Lord jacket and just take care <laughs> of business. I may not be a guardian Little of the galaxy. Little did he know that Kia Pia would be on the receiving end. <laughs> or rather, he'd be on the receiving end of a Kia Pia smackdown. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Play by the rules, folks. Uh, Either way, I hope you hit 500K. Well, thanks, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I hope we do, too. We were just talking. We're, we're almost to 300K, which, like, a year ago, I don't know. That seemed a long ways away, so. <laughs> well, in... Good God, it's been over two years. Uh, actually, right around this month, I will have been self-employed with craft computing longer than I was employed doing craft computing on the side. Uh, nice. So there's there's a milestone for you. I've been doing this five and a half years, and I've been doing uh, craft computing as a full-time gig for the last two and a half years. So 
two and a half versus three. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I really consider in earnest about about five years. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, five and a half years ago now, that was like the first talking head stream. A uh, little less than five and a half, five yeah. and a quarter. Yeah. And uh, we still can't run a, an efficient and well-polished show. <laughs> no. You know, it's weird to think. Yeah, that was back during like the near the uh, uh, eclipse. That yeah. was like the summer of the eclipse. Was that? Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, that was. 2017. I can't remember if we did July or if it was August, but I think we did July was the first live stream. No, August would have been because July was my first video posting. So then the eclipse was like a couple weeks later after the first show. <laughs> yeah, would have been. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. Rhett gets an extra rain year at 500,000. An extra? Oh. Thank you, guys. I, I give and I give. Oh, wow. I really appreciate it. You guys are looking out. I mean, the two ounces of beer that I gave you the other day, that's got to account for like four Rainiers, right? <laughs> yeah, if you want to do the math, that's probably like a, a six pack of tall boys. <laughs> probably pretty close. Uh, so Rhett and I were filming a video the other day and uh, I opened up an Anchorage deal with the devil. If anyone recognizes that beer, number one, just price wise, the two ounces that I gave him, it's good for a half a case at least, because uh, <laughs> that 12 ounce bottle was ninety eight dollars. Secondly, uh, it is a 17 percent double oaked barley wine. Yeah. It was yes. good stuff. It was very good stuff. It was not what I was expecting at all, but uh... yeah. It was great. You know who else is great? Today's sponsor that I completely forgot to do last week. So we're going to do it now while I'm thinking about it. And we're 30 minutes in, so it's a good time to start news. Today's video is brought to you by Linode. Hosting your own servers also means you get to host all of your own problems. And even the most skilled network engineers will tell you you should decentralize your network. Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> I lost my place. If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software for most of the tutorials you've seen on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking, recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as you need to go. Whether it's virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, NVMe block storage, and more. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of 2023. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com craftcomputing. And again, a huge thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Linode. Thanks, Linode. With Linode, awesome. don't don't do it. You can go. Go with Linode. Huh? That's a positive. I'd rather not workshop my sponsor pieces live. <laughs> <laughs> Why, bro? It works in real life, you know. I mean, don't give away all my secrets, but <laughs> <laughs> it always starts with a pun. <laughs> it really does.
It either starts with a pun or a stupid idea. Mm. Hey, so All we have an NVMe to drive to do uh, a, an ad for. What do we do? What if we did it like an over-the-top action movie trailer? <laughs> In a world where... And boom, you have a, an ad. I believe the exact starting words were, how do you make an NVMe drive exciting? I, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I think that that was it. <laughs> well, I've seen plenty of ex movies that I thought were going to be exciting, but absolutely weren't. So yeah. kind of like an NVMe drive, right? There's definitely that. Anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the news and kind of off the beat tech news. This one caught my eye for a number of reasons. Primarily, uh, I'm a glasses wearer and the last two and a half years have sucked for that. Uh, if you wear glasses and you've been wearing your mask over the last two years, you know that uh, you pretty much can't wear your glasses if you're wearing a mask. Uh, at least that defeats the purpose of wearing them if you uh, do wear the mask. Uh, but there's been some research going on that kind of builds on an already known concept, but they've kind of taken it up a notch. Now, what am I talking about? Uh, there's been some research into anti-fogging your glasses, and they discovered that adding a nano-thin, so an atom or two layer of a gold coating could prevent your glasses from fogging up. Now, why is that? It's because, it's not because it has some uh, hydrophobic uh, property or anything like that. Uh, although there are coatings for glasses that are hydrophobic and that's been pretty much the conventional way to defog things in the past is not let the, condens the condensation stick. Or if it does stick to the glasses, it beads up immediately and isn't such a nuisance. Uh, but that's really only, it, it's not great for preventing fog. Uh, however, the gold layer prevents fog in a very interesting way. It absorbs infrared light energy uh, and will actually heat up the glasses simply by being outside or even being worn on your face. Uh, it can heat the glass lenses by up to 46 degrees Fahrenheit uh, from ambient temperature, just from being worn on your face or being out in direct sunlight where infrared is something that you receive. It's a pretty interesting concept because if the temperature of the glass reaches the point that's higher than the dew point, the moisture physically cannot stick to it. Uh, so why not use that to prevent fog from happening in the first place? Does it have to be gold? I feel like that principle could apply to a lot of different things. Could apply but... to like graphene. It could, uh, or a lot of different components, but I guess gold is one of the best conductors of heat when it is in that thin of a substrate. Uh, uh, and basically what they're talking about is a 10 nanometer thick coating in total that sandwiches gold between layers of titanium oxide. Uh, so now titanium oxide is already already used for coatings on things. And again, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a hydrophilic or hydrophobic uh, effect, but uh, yeah, 
It's uh, very interesting if you're a glasses wearer, uh, but the technology may also be able to be scaled up, including being included in things like car windshields and car windows. So they won't fog uh, uh, or they'll de they'll thaw so much faster in the mornings just by the heat coming up from the glass because it'll absorb that heat more readily. Um, so lots of interesting uh, little tangential aspects of the story. And I just found it was interesting. No, that's great. Especially like you said, for cars man i need that yeah all right uh let's see what else do we have has nvidia tricked us into thinking 1600 is a good deal for a gpu i've talked about this a couple of times and i'm glad to see some other people are starting to kind of take notice of that um the rtx 4090 it's obviously a very expensive graphics card, $1,600 retail price. And that's before you get add-in board partner cards or any kind of retail markups or, you know, dealer markups for unavailability and, you know, market price adjustments and things like that. Um, $1,600 is a lot of money. I, I don't care what product it is. You know, that's, that's not an impulse purchase for most people. Uh, Especially considering $1,600 can buy you a pretty trick gaming PC on its own. So what's the justification that NVIDIA has for a $1,600 asking price on their flagship card? It's an interesting point, but I don't think that it's one that's just isolated to graphics cards. Like this is kind of a thing that we're seeing across the board in a lot of places right now. Yes. A lot of markets. And they go, well, you're getting a deal. And it's like, God, I thought this was like price or this. This, this was item shortage prices. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, but it's also better now. Right. So you're just paying this. It's like, man. The price of everything's going up, you know, and I. It, graphics cards is one but like look at the the discussion around increasing sort of the flat price of, of video games right now and in a lot of ways you know we get a good deal for being able to buy games for 60 bucks they're looking at upping it to 70 but yeah. well I, I don't know they're trying to convince us that well i i would argue that video games have been flatlined in price since and have actually gone way down in price uh, since the, the 1990s and the console yeah. wars and everything like that. Like I remember buying like final fantasy two for $60, yeah. 60 us dollars in 1994. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I bought WWF no mercy for the Nintendo 64 for like 75 or 80 bucks. Yeah. No, $80 was not unheard of yeah. for a game cartridge. A hundred percent. And that's why I'm saying like, it, it, it's kind of a fine line to walk on that one, mm -hmm. but, but it's, it, it's kind of the same thing. They're like, well, our costs have gone up and this has gone up. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's it, it's sort of similar. I wonder if if how they can say, well, there is inflation, and so now you have to spend seven dollars for a gallon of milk. And it's like, hello, 
that's not reasonable. And they're like, well, this is the normal price now. You've been paying it for two years. It's like, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's not just NVIDIA is what I'm saying. Yeah, no. Uh, so if we look back, I, I've actually made this argument a number of times and, and NVIDIA knows exactly what they are doing. Uh, they are manipulating and obfuscating the actual price of their own products. Um, and they're kind of starting to take Apple's approach with things, if, if I'm being honest, as far as their pricing tiers go, is back in the GTX 500 days, in the Fermi days, uh, add-in board partners had a lot of freedom in what they wanted to do with the GPU dies they were given. And so NVIDIA would say, here's a uh, an F106, here's an F104, and here's an F102. These are our three tiers of GPUs that we're selling. We've got a couple different binned versions, but uh, here's what we're selling. Here's the cards that uh, that you have to label these as if you're using a particular binned chip. So uh, a GF104 would be an R, R, or RTX, good Lord, I can't adjust back anymore, would be a GTX uh, 470. Or, or 570, for example. Um, and so those were really the only limitations. And they said, we have to approve reference designs. And so if you have a board that you want to do, we need to make sure that it's going to it's going to work. And as long as it works, we're good. You could add more memory to things as an add-in board partner. You could do different power delivery solutions. You could put two chips on the same board. You could overclock the bejesus out of it. You could... You could do a lot of different things. So we get things like the Asus Mars uh, Fermi cards and, and you know, kind of a, a graphics card heyday. But even back then, the graphics card, like the top-end graphics card, a, a GTX 580, I want to say sold for right around $400. Like their top, top-of-the-line card. And for most of the, the late... 2000s, early early aughts, um, that was the top-end tier of graphics cards, was right around four to $500. Uh, with the GTX 1080 all the way in 2017 being a $500 card for a flagship card. Now, NVIDIA's always had some some Halo products. They've always had something like the, the GTX 690, which was dual 680s on a single board. That was a $1,000 card. They've had... Um, uh, the their TI uh, series of graphics cards. They've they've had uh, you know the 780 Ti and then the Titans even beyond that, and those have been almost always nearly a thousand dollar graphics cards or or eight hundred or so. But but they were always positioned as a Halo product with the markup to go with it. So yeah, you can buy the the Audi R8 or can I interest you in a Lamborghini Huracan? Now, they might be the same platform, and they might be the same engine, but the Huracan's tuned better. And that's always been kind of what it is, where one is $120,000 and the other is $250,000. Yeah, you're going to pay double the price for 10% more performance. It's the way of the world. But in the last couple of generations of graphics cards, you've got Turing, Ampere, and now Loveless. Uh, Lovelace. Um... They've done an interesting thing, and they've been staggering their tiers up, where the 80 series 
used to be their flagship card. Best of the best. Uh, it's it's not $500 anymore. Uh, it's now $800. And and actually, as of the 480, 4080, it's $1,200 for an 80-series card. They've been inflating the value of their own tiers of products. So what do you get for $500 right now? I don't think NVIDIA makes a $500 graphics card right now, if I'm being honest. Uh, I know they do, but... I mean, they, and this is the big problem. Like, they might have seen what people were willing to pay to scalpers, and now that they're implementing a back tax in a way of, like, mm -hmm. how far can we push the consumer? Yeah. And that's what every industry is doing right now. Well, they've been paying it. How far can we push the consumer? When will, what is the limit that they're willing to pay? And we'll stop right before there. Yep. Right. They're also doing this interesting thing with the tiering of their current generation products. And they've been doing this for the last couple of years. They're trying to make their, so you've got your Halo product. You've got your RTX 3090, right? $1,500 graphics card. You put that out there. And you put your second tier card, your RTX 3080, in a position where it looks like you'd be stupid not to just upgrade. You, you, you price the 3080 at $1,100, and you give it less than half of the memory. You give it 10 gigs of RAM instead of 24. You, you have the memory bandwidth. You, you do a couple of other things to it where you're like, if I'm already up to 1100, I might as well spend 15. And and that's that's a real train of thought that a lot of people get on, uh, especially when you get the upgrade bug for your system. You're like, well, if I'm gonna spend $250 for a new motherboard, I might as well just get the top end CPU to go with it because while I'm here, Nvidia is intentionally positioning their cards to upsell you and make you think the higher tier is a better value than it actually is. Look at the reviews for the art for the RTX 4080. It's nothing but it's a great card. It's overpriced and it's nowhere near the the value return or the frame per dollar that you get out of the 4090. That is very much intentional <laughs> from Nvidia. And it, it's kind of marketing 101. And I go back to Apple because Apple's been doing this since Steve Jobs came back to Apple when they consolidated their product lines and they said, we're going to do a couple of things right and then we're going to build our, our business from there. What did they do with the original iMacs that were, you know, $1,000 desktop PCs? They sold them with very basic specs with uh, an Apple G3 processor, 233 megahertz for a thousand bucks and what, 64 megs of RAM or something like that. And then they offered upgrade tiers. And you could upgrade all the way to like a 450 megahertz G3. So twice as fast as the entry-level iMac and 256 megabytes of RAM and and uh, a 40 gigabyte hard drive instead of an eight gigabyte hard drive. And, and it's kind of the same thing of like, well, while I'm here, I might as well just get the best of this machine because it's not like I can upgrade it myself later on. And... Before you know it, you're spending $1,600 on what was advertised to be a $1,000 PC, but you're the one who checked the boxes to upgrade. They've been doing this with Macs, like I said, for 25 years now. Uh, 
it's it's a very slippery slope when you get onto the MacBook Pro thing and you go like, well, the base model is only $1,100, but God, it only has eight gigs of RAM in 2022? Are you kidding me? You know I'm going to get 16. If I'm going to spend the extra $150 to get 16 gigs of RAM, I might as well double my storage while I'm at it. And you know, the the 10 gig network port on the on the Mac uh, on the Mac Mini looks pretty enticing. Like 100 extra bucks. Who knows? I might need 10 gig one day. All of a sudden, you're spending $1,400 for a Mac Mini or $1,700 on a MacBook. When you walked in, going, you know what? I want a Mac, and I'm going to spend a thousand bucks. Yeah. This is the game that NVIDIA is playing. They're inflating their own prices by making well, the upgrades look like a better value than the yeah. base price. And, and and you see how well it works, though, <clears throat> when how many consumers were out there putting a video. It says this is a $1,000 gaming PC built, and we're pricing everything out very diligently staying under $1,000. Mm-hmm. What sacrifices do we have to make to get performance for that cost? Mm-hmm. And somebody will be like, well, I don't understand why I didn't just pay the extra 120 bucks and get this graphics card. It's like, did you miss the exercise, my friend? <laughs> I know that it's just $120, which to people like you and I might not be that much. But I've been in the position where $120 extra is not a sacrifice that I can make just to get a little bit more performance. Right. If I have $1,000, I have $1,000. Reviewers going, you'd be stupid to buy an RTX 4080 if you're considering spending that much money. Just go buy the 4090. It's a $400 markup. (laughs) And it's not reasonable for a lot of people. Right. And you're allowed to be into PCs without, you know, if if you're poor or you're living paycheck to paycheck or whatever it might be, you're allowed to be into PCs. And you shouldn't have to pay a tax just because. Right. Like, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. And, so, and, and they convince a lot of people that it's like, well, if he's not doing it, then he's an idiot. He's leaving performance on the table for a marginal markup. Every, every build has a sacrifice. Every build has a bottleneck. It's just not the bottleneck you expect. If yeah. I build a PC with a 1660 Super and, and an i5, of course, it's not going to run as fast as my 3090 with a 13900K because they're slower parts. That's a bottleneck. <laughs> like... There's always something you can upgrade. There's always something you can do better. There's always a different thing that you're concerned with in your build, whether it's acoustics, whether it's whether it's heat, whether it's whatever else. Maybe I don't want a system that draws 800 watts from the wall and I just want to play games and, and I'm okay with running at medium settings at 4K or, or 1440p or 1080p. Guess what? Those are sacrifices that I've chosen in my build to be able to afford the build and be comfortable while playing. I don't need an 800 watt heater in this room as, as well, do you enjoy no, it? He does. He does. Oh, <laughs> no, it's nice. It feels good to be warm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> feels good to take my jacket off in the garage. <laughs> Brisk. So yeah. Uh, we as a people have been tricked into buying more expensive things. It's it's kind of... I mean, I always wonder where the line is. You know, I remember back in the, like the 2008 recession, like the big thing that you would hear people say all the time about gas prices was, well, once it's $5 a gallon, I'm done. You're just going to stop driving to work? That's what, that And that's bill? what they said. And we were lucky that it it never really got to that point. 
in, recently. But that's my point is like, then it did. And people didn't stop. They didn't right. change because they realized that they really didn't have a say. If they wanted to participate, they had to play ball. Right. If you want to participate in computing, I'm sorry, where are you going to buy your graphics cards? Yeah. I'm sorry. No one's buying AMD the, graphics cards. The numbers the, on Steam survey show that. So the graphics card company is NVIDIA and it has been for 20 years. You know, I mean, it's not saying that AMD doesn't make product. And now Intel is here and maybe they're going to introduce the competition that the industry so severely needs. But but here's the deal. We've been talking about NVIDIA upselling their own products for the last 15 years. But it's not just uh, them. But but my, my point is they're they have always been the top player or or at even at their lowest they've been competitive for the top of of, of the you know the gaming crown sure. um you know back in the like the 7950x days of uh of, of amd and ati uh but yeah nvidia has been the de facto champion for you know, 15 years, although it's not been without competition. The problem is because of their marketing and because of the way they position their own products against their own product stack, and this has only accelerated in the last five years, is everyone looks over at AMD and goes, well, it loses these three benchmarks. So, you know, swing and a miss again, AMD, even though the 7900 XTX for a thousand bucks, dude, like, that is a heck of a value for a graphics card. I I have a seventy or a sixty nine hundred XT, dude. That is an amazing graphics card. And if gaming is my primary focus, that would be what I run in my system. There's also the issue of creative professionals of being bound to certain NVIDIA tasks like NVENC and CUDA and things like that that run in professional applications that AMD just isn't in the same ballpark as. Right. And so. If it weren't for gaming and if it, or sorry, if it weren't for productivity, and I mean specifically my workflow with like Adobe Premiere and After Effects and things like that, I'd probably be rocking the 6900 XT in my main workstation. In fact, when I built my workstation originally, I bought a 6900 XT to go in it because yeah. of the value proposition it offered. Right. I was trying to put my money where my mouth was. And unfortunately, uh, AMD couldn't cash that check when it came to professional applications. But see, and then I even wonder though, you're talking about the professional applications for gaming and things like this, but I wonder how many people hop onto their favorite PC related internet forum and they say, I want to build me a PC. Can you guys help me get a parts list? And they go, well, you got to get the latest NVIDIA. That's the only option. Don't even look at AMD. It's like they're just looking at the peak. Pro they're like, well, if you're going to buy a gaming PC, this is what you got to do. Buy the most expensive things. I feel like a lot of people get into that trap. I mean, it's all yeah. you hear about in some circles on the Internet when you're looking at PC builds. Well, why wouldn't you buy that? It's like, yep. you forgot the budget. Well, why wouldn't you buy that? You forgot that I'm trying to limit power draw. Well, why wouldn't you buy that? Well, I size is an issue, you know? Yeah. I want to hear my game out of speakers, not the fans <laughs> blaring off the side of my PC case. Like there's other there's other things that define quality in a PC besides the frame rate that you see in the counter. Yeah. In in the corner of your screen. Yeah. Um and and I've said this a couple of times, uh, especially on this show, of I respect the hell out of 
the work that a lot of review outlets go through to produce the top to bottom comprehensive list of graphics cards and CPUs and memory configurations and everything else, top to bottom of this is the tiering of performance if everything was on an equal playing field. The problem with the review style that way though is we don't live on a living play on, on an equal playing field when it comes to PCs because budget is always an issue. Budget is always a consideration. And there's other considerations besides raw frame rate when building a PC. Like I said, like, yeah, if you want the fastest thing ever, that's your comprehensive list to build the fastest thing ever. It's not the de facto list of I can afford three quarters of the chart, so I'm just gonna buy those components across the board because your results will likely be different running different hardware. Um, uh, oh gosh, uh, hardware unboxed. Hey, look, hammer unboxed. Uh, ran into this recently where they discovered um, certain... GPUs scored higher with lower tier CPUs. Uh, it was AMD cards scored higher with lower tier CPUs because of NVIDIA's driver overhead, <laughs> which is something that they would never have discovered unless they had benchmarked those slower CPUs when they were reviewing the graphics cards. It, it was just happenstance that they discovered it. But I'll do a video where I build a PC and it's like, yeah, I'm gonna use a, a 12400F and and this random AMD, you know, 6700 XT or something like that. And everyone goes, that's a stupid combination and blah, blah, blah. No one would ever buy that. And it's like, yeah, they would because they're on the shelf and they're competitively priced. Maybe I got a good deal on something. Maybe some, there's always other considerations than raw performance. And... <laughs> yep. People gotta people gotta consider all angles. Mm -hmm. yeah. People gotta yeah. consider all angles. So is Nvidia, you know, gadging their own customers, tricking us, convincing us that this is the way that their price is the only price? We know it's not. The question is, how far are we willing to be able to be pushed? And yeah. I don't think that we've reached the end point. Yeah. Because people no. are going to spend it. I'm um, not sure why. In, in this, in this uh, article, actually, they go over, and, and it's this article is talking specifically between the RTX 4090 and the 4080 um, and, and price points of those two cards. And again, it's the tiering of, of and price selection of the $1,200 RX RTX 480 versus the $1,600 RTX 4090. And it makes it seem like the RTX 4090 is the better value, okay? Uh, and according to shipment numbers uh, from, from a number of different retail sites, uh, let me just throw this graph up here. Uh, NVIDIA's 4080 shipments globally or, or at least regionally uh, on this. 30,000 units sold within this region, okay? Uh, NVIDIA 4090, 130,000 units sold within this region. Total shipment of 160,000 units and a four to one discrepancy in favor of the 4090. 
4090s pretty much sold out everywhere and retailers have massive stock of the RTX 4080. It's not because the 4090 is that much better or that much more desirable. It's simply because the simple math in your head goes, well, if I'm already spending $1,200, I might as well just go all the way. And somebody pointed it out before, they used the same tactic in fast food. They yeah. Go, well, I may as well just get the large at that point. You know, mm -hmm. why get the medium? Do you yeah. know um, why does every burger joint sell fries and soda? Because those are some of the cheapest things you can possibly sell at a reasonable price point. It is some of the highest uh, profit margin in the industry when it comes to food. Oh, How, high is fries. It? How high is it? Uh, fries are just potatoes and fry oil. That's it. How high is soda? Uh, when you buy a soda from Burger King or McDonald's or wherever else, the cup, lid, and straw combination costs more than the soda in the cup. Yeah. That's a fact. Okay. Yeah, it costs like three or five cents to fill yeah, it. Yeah, to, to fill pop. it, where it costs like seven cents for the cup and the straw and the lid and, and, and everything else that goes with it. Um, so why do they always charge a supersize? Why not just give you a bag of fries and a Coke? It's because if you supersize... You're spending now a dollar or a dollar fifty or two dollars more, which is one hundred percent pure profit, versus them giving you a smaller bag of fries and a smaller drink. It's a hundred percent pure profit. Yep. Minus like three cents. So that's why they have size tierings. That's why they have certain items available for super cheap, or at least yeah. did until recently. Uh, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's well, you if I'm already spending $12, I'd might as well supersize and get the large fry. Yeah. God. And the Same cost concept. Of fast, the cost of fast food is the perfect example of this phenomenon. It's just going up and up and up. Yeah. And the service is going down and down and down. Now, yeah. I'm your quintessential millennial, guys. I ain't here to complain about service. Okay? <laughs> I'm with all of the workers that are inside these drive throughs behind these kitchens. 100%. They deserve better conditions and better pay. Uh, but like, remember 10, 15, 20 years ago when these places held themselves to these weird metrics and they'd say, well, we're going to deliver this food in 30 seconds and it's always going to be this quality and blah, 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 blah. It's like they never had to make those promises for us to keep going there. <laughs> and now they kind of know it, but they won't back down from those promises. And so you're just like, they're always like, can you park in the front for five minutes while we cook your food and do all this? It's like, um, here's, here's my anecdote on that situation. And then, uh, as soon as I give this, we're going to move on. Cause okay. I have a, I have a package that apparently I need to open Ooh. right now. Um, so, uh, I worked at Burger King in 2002. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I worked there for two and a half months. 9-11 was fresh in all of our hearts and minds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for bringing that downhill. <laughs> uh, so I worked there in 2002, uh, summer of 2002. And uh, there, speaking of like corporate strategies and mandates and service expectations and things like that, there was a giant timer on the wall right behind the drive-through window. 
So you had your, your front counter and then you had your drive-through window. And then just to the right and above that was this giant red seven segment clock. Okay. For everyone to see from anywhere behind the counter. And what it was, was how long someone has been sitting at the drive-through window. And as soon as a car pulled up, one, two, three, and it would just start counting up. Seven times a day, uh, we would hear, reset. What that meant was something is taking too long, whether the customer is digging in their car for change or the fries are 60 seconds from being done or the chicken nuggets haven't quite timed yet or whatever else. And it was someone's responsibility, whoever was the closest person, to reach up on the side of the clock and hit the reset button. What that did was prevented sending the final time to corporate. Uh. <laughs> okay. We were also told, do not yell reset and do not touch that clock if a corporate individual is in the restaurant at the time. Because Amazing. we don't want to pad our numbers. Um, Amazing. So, uh, you get what you measure is, yeah. is, is one of my favorite uh, phrases. Because for all of these corporate America um, things, uh, I was at Walmart the other day. Here's another anecdote. I was at Walmart the other day. Saturday, 1130 in the morning. One of your busiest shopping de shopping days of the month, let alone the year. You know, we're in December, two and a half weeks before Christmas. Uh, Saturday, major store, okay? Three cashiers. Three cashiers for the whole damn store. Walmart measures their cashier's performance on what is called IPH, or items per hour. You are expected as a cashier to scan a certain number of items per hour. Now, this goes twofold into staffing issues and expectations and what do you measure versus what do you have to deliver? Um, couple of things. Let's say you have five cashiers versus three. Well, obviously your items per hour for each cashier is going to go down because you've diluted the work across more workers. You're, you're gonna dilute your work by 20 or 40% if you add more cashiers. Um, if you were running a certain IPH on Black Friday, you expect that number to go down for a random Tuesday, right? Except Walmart had no such expectations that any day should be any different from any other day. And so they expected cashiers to scan in the order of like 250 items per hour. What happens if your cashiers are only scanning 170 items per hour? Well, obviously your cashiers are being inefficient, so why don't we only have three of them on staff right now instead of five? That goes twofold to staffing issues and payment and compensation and everything else because Walmart just saved 40 to $50 an hour if there's two cashiers with benefits that are no longer working that shift. Uh, and they pass the cost right along to you. So now you get to wait in line for 25 minutes on a Saturday instead of them just paying another $30 to have two extra cashiers there, but it would result in a lower efficiency tally on the store as a whole. 
I mean, that's that's another great example. Is like I remember being a young you get what you measure. A young lad, you go to the grocery store and every checkout stand was filled. Yeah. And that's just never happened in the last three years. Yeah. Anyway, demand more from your uh, from your employers, folks. Yeah. Let's see anyway, what's in the box. I have a box from a Mr. Yakto. Yakto's uh, has the distinguished honor of being one of the uh, one of only two to ever achieve the honor of expensive idea shills on the Discord server. <laughs> now, do I get to guess what this is first? No. Yeah, of course you can guess. It's not a terribly heavy pack. It's five pounds, and it's it's a large box. Like, um, okay, I think it's a liver. I think it's a liver. I think I already know what it is, but I don't want to ruin any. Oh no, it's not what it is. Okay. It looks like a motherboard. It looks like a motherboard, and there's a little package in here too. Ooh. Okay. Oh no, it's not a motherboard. What is? It's a cute sign. It says Craft Computing on it. It's wood. It's a wood carved sign. It says Craft Computing. I knew it. Called it. You all heard it here before he said it's wood. <laughs> if I'm right, Jeff owes me a Rainier. Uh, I know just where to get them. There's a couple warm ones sitting here for you. Those are mine. I brought those. You owe me a fresh one. That's a lot of bubble wrap. Well, he had to make sure the wood was safe. It's fragile. <laughs> it's a plaque. Oh, good God. <laughs> Just a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna open the little envelope before I show you what's on this. Okay. Some sort of plaque. Oh nice. Nice. It is a plaque, so there there's plaque blanks in this. So um, you can laser carve your own. It is a plaque. This will probably go in my shop, uh, if 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 I'm being honest. Um, Ventoy Brandon. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh Awarded my to craft God. computing year of our Lord, 2022. The shade, <laughs> the shade is so strong. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, I'm sure all of you know, but if you don't, uh, we did a video uh, about an IOSS device. Um, and because Jeff didn't mention Ventoy, every one of the comments did. Well, why would I pay money for this when I go just use Ventoy? Oh, my gosh. It, and it was kind of akin to the fact it's like if you go on Twitter and you have 280 characters like I love dogs so much. Dogs are so cool. What do you got against cats? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, calm down. I didn't pick a dog in front of you. Ventoy brand ambassador. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That may actually go up on the wall right here. I think it <laughs> needs to go right above the editing station. I think so. 
So we know what we've done. It needs to sit next <laughs> to the YouTube plaque. You know what this means, Jeff? Uh, we got to fill that up for real. We got to we got to figure out more videos that we can do where we can get everybody shilling for Ventoy in the comments. <laughs> uh, but only one per year. I'm not willing to show more than that. Oh, come on. You could do two. <laughs> oh, with that, I think it's time for an IPA. <laughs> do a video on Ventoy, but get everything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Why they didn't just God. use DD and a bare image? I don't know, but... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to do a video on every single alternative. <laughs> every damn one. And never ever mention Ventoy. I mean, I'm not far away from that. In 2021, I did two videos on Windows deployment services that were 40 minutes long each. <laughs> and uh and that is how you deploy Windows without a USB key. <laughs> oh, oh man. That was amazing. <laughs> Good Lord. Anyway, Block 15's Animal Cookie IPA. What a, what a, what a great gift. Uh, Rufus Boy here. I'm more of a Bellana Etcher fan, <laughs> although Rufus is pretty good. Um, Gosh, I've done uh, W32 Disk Imager. I've done, ooh, even a little, uh, oh gosh, what was the name of that program? The one with the little sheep. Clone CD. Clone CD. Oh, that was funny. I used that video to deploy 40 instances on the university that I worked on. Um, that video was years and years of long-term experience in the making. I have literally deployed thousands of machines, probably in the tens of thousands, uh, machines that we imaged uh, using Windows deployment over the years. And in fact, one of my certifications is for deploying Windows Vista. Yeah. That's where all that video came from, was a Super Windows useful. Vista deployment certification. <laughs> Super useful. Uh, at the time. I I don't actually think I ever saw a real life instance of Vista. <laughs> like I knew about it, but it was so short lived. It's like I went from and also to this is this is on me for sure, but I went from Windows XP to Windows 8. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day my desktop with XP died and I had to use a laptop that had 8.1 on it. Actually, it had Windows 8 on it, but it wasn't a touchscreen laptop. And I was like, this is awful. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, well, 8.1's out now and it's free. So just, you know, update that. And I was like, okay, great. Here it we go. It really was the solution. Yeah. And that laptop still has that same instance of I, Windows 8.1 on it. I, I really like referring to Windows 8 as Windows 7.8B. <laughs> All the nerds are right there with you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> For those who think Vista was painful, Windows 8 was painful. 
I never Vista, had any. Vista, you just needed new hardware, so I'm sorry that you were trying to install it on your mom's Pentium 3 at some point. <laughs> but that's kind of on you. Uh, Windows 8 sucked on every machine, let alone servers. Yeah, you know, I with didn't Windows have any, Server 2012. I didn't have any issues with it, but I, I can't... Actually, I said that that laptop still had 8.1, but actually, eventually, I did upgrade to Windows 10 using the... Uh, the windows accessibility features like uh cuz they're like it's not free anymore you have to buy it i was like dang it i wasn't sure about windows 10 at first and now i regret this and they're like but you can still tell them you use accessibility features and get it for free so i did that so it did eventually get windows 10 but yeah uh let's see jeff with how cheap the 5950x is i'm thinking of upgrading my machine learning server from a 3950x to a 5950x uh i wonder is it worth it the bottleneck is usually the gpus um if your bottleneck is the gpus you're probably not going to get any better efficiency especially in machine learning from the zen 3 versus zen 2. um the 3950x is a great cpu the jump to Zen 3 was one of the largest single architectural jumps that we've seen uh, in, let alone recent memory, but but we're starting to push like all time as far as like 15 to 18% IPC improvement over a single generation. Um, like absolutely insane performance. But for machine learning, you're primarily hitting your GPUs anyway, uh, unless you have very specific tasks, AVX style things that are required of your CPU, in which case it could be a pretty good investment to pick up a 5950X for, you know, $500 and and get that extra 15 to 20% of performance. Uh, but I doubt it. Uh, I, If machine learning is your ultimate goal outside of a couple niche scenarios, I would just leave it. 2700X to 5900X is probably the sweetest upgrade I've ever done with a mainboard swap. Oh, you're freaking right there man that's a <laughs> from zen plus to a 12 core 5950x yeah no what amd managed to do in just a couple of years is astounding i mean just flat out amazing uh you fool we all know windows 8.1 uh is v v6.3.6900 uh yeah Workloads include data conversions. Well, then your bottleneck wouldn't necessarily be only your GPUs. And so again, you're going to know your data a lot better than me. Saying machine learning is uh, what's better for flying, a paraglider or a Harrier jet? I, They both work. <laughs> but what are your exact use cases? Do you have no fuel in a high cliff? Well, then... <laughs> <laughs> Glider might be the way to go. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, in a subject that will probably be very near and dear to Jeff Gearling, uh, supply chain woes may finally be coming to an end or at least easing when it comes to everyone's favorite hobby board. That is the Raspberry Pi. Uh, the official Raspberry Pi blog, and in fact, uh, Evan Upton himself, uh, founder of Raspberry Pi, uh, posted the following article that we all know for the last couple of years, semiconductor supply chain has been, well, hell. <laughs> I like when CEOs put it 
very plainly. It's <laughs> been hell. Uh, but uh, Raspberry Pi has been making a good amount of headway in uh, basically shoring up their supplies, in getting things to where they need to be. Because remember... PCB manufacturing is a global supply chain. Uh, you have manufacturers in Taiwan and China that are are actually making individual components, whether it's resistors, capacitors, diodes, etc., whether it's the PCB substrate, whether it's the raw materials, the copper, the silicon, the uh, the fiberglass that go into producing PCBs, whether it's the silicon that goes into producing the actual chips themselves from Broadcom, whether it's any number of other things that are involved in this, nearly every single product you buy today is a global product and relies on some form of a global supply chain. And we've kind of ran into an issue of the global supply chain sucks and has been hell the last couple of years. What? What? Yeah, I'm not going back over this again god one little boat gets stuck in a canal somewhere and oh the global supply chain is so fragile mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. couple of railroad workers want some sick days oh they can't have them because otherwise the world will be disrupted hire more people you get what you measure in not enough case. work, not <laughs> enough workers to uh, staff your factories and your railways unless they all work overtime. Guess what? You need to hire more workers. It makes sense to people with a brain, Jeff. It makes sense to people who want to spend as little money as possible and get the most return. Like, I get it. But there's also but, a simple solution to fixing the global supply chain and labor shortage. I, I, I hate to say this, but good business is always cheaper. Like, good business practices is always cheaper in the long run. But whatever. What do I know? Um, I don't basically have a death grip on the world's shipping industry, so... E Elon Musk walked into... Dave Chappelle's show <laughs> in San Francisco the other day and got booed off stage because he just looked like a colossal raging whatever expletive you want to put in here. It's so hard to find workers these days. Elon Musk, for the for the price he paid for Twitter, could have paid every single man, woman, and child in that stadium $2.4 million. For the $44 billion he spent on Twitter, he could have paid every single man, woman, child, and probably organism in that stadium $2.44 million. No, but instead he goes up there and ruins my show, Jeff. Instead he goes, I'm rich, bitch. And <laughs> I just can't afford $80,000 a year for, you know, for basic labor. Just saying. Look, I was just trying to enjoy Dave Chappelle. I didn't mean to make it into a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, global supply chain. Raspberry Pi has been making a lot of headway in shoring up a lot of their suppliers and supply chains. And uh, uh, third quarter was very good for them. And I guess in the fourth quarter, they are expecting uh, over a 50% improvement on individual unit sales. 
Uh, so they are starting to become available. Now a downside to this is the Raspberry Pi Zero is going to go through a cost increase, mainly due actually to PCB manufacturing and shipping. Um, it's it's not some of the component costs, it's like the bare substrate cost has just gone up to the point where they can't produce the boards for that price anymore. So the Zero is going to go up from five to $10 and the Zero with Wi-Fi is going to go up from 10 to $15. Um, but they say that the Zero products should return to volume availability in 2023 and no longer expect to see the single unit limitations that has been a feature of the Zero since its launch in 2015. So being able to buy the Zero not just for a single one-off hobby project like the Simpsons TV that plays a random episode every single time, uh, which I totally want to add to my tortoise's cage. <laughs> uh, but potentially in bulk availability for like large scale hobby projects or deployments or a lot of other things. That's extremely exciting. That's what the Zero was originally intended to be, was the, you wanna produce a product? Here is a CPU that you can slap into just about any product that, that you wanna manufacture with full GPIO that has enough processing horsepower and memory and onboard storage to handle just about anything that you would need in, in small electronics projects or maker devices or anything else, five bucks. Well, now it's gonna be $10. But now you also get a Broadcom quad core and a full gig of RAM and Wi-Fi and, and like, it's a much better deal than it was back even back in 2015. So if you've been looking for a Raspberry Pi, hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel and that light is not a train, unless it's a train full of Raspberry Pis, in which case I'm fully on board. Hell yeah. Somebody, uh made a joke in the chat about uh uh about the elon musk yeah dave yeah. Schultz thing that he got booed so hard the next day they rewrote reality and he was knocked down in richness <laughs> which i just loved like um it's like a total like disco elysium moment if anybody's <laughs> ever played that game like uh <laughs> how the laws of like how how capital can sort of like distort reality for a moment <laughs> and uh that's totally what it was right everybody booed and his money just like withered away <laughs> i wonder why tesla sock is tanking could it have and anything he, to do with their lack of uh lack of uh leadership yeah lack lack of uh gosh confidence confidence and leadership there we go <laughs> yeah i, I love that he they're like they're like, guys, guys, Tesla's okay. He's not doing anything too crazy. He's still rooted in reality, okay? Right. We saw those people, boom, that's going to be good for us. And the next day he goes, well, actually, you know, there in person, it was like 99 or it was 90% applause and only 10%. And only 10% booze. Oh, but there were a large amount of booze, which was sounded like a lot more because apparently there was a large fight in the audience and I couldn't, I, I just couldn't get any words out. I, I, I loved on Twitter, there was there was so wow. much going on that I just couldn't fit my ego in the same room with it. <laughs> on Twitter, they were saying, "Wow, an honest to God boo earns moment." <laughs> or someone needs to make a Twitter bot that automatically scrapes Elon Musk tweets and puts a picture of Mr. Burns. Well, there's even, I think even Bo Burnham does a joke about it and they're like booing and he goes, boo, an elongation of my name. Also a sign of approval. 
Your poos need mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. <laughs> By the way, this is the person that still willingly goes to a Dave Chappelle show in 2022. That booty off the stage. <laughs> oh. What I love too, I love the joke about that is he's like, well, all the booze were from the leftists rabble rousers. And I'm like, it's 2022. What leftists were at a Dave Chappelle show? <laughs> like Dave Chappelle has had a long and storied career and many of it was was an up it was funny mm -hmm. he uh but to leftists he's fallen a little bit out of favor right yeah, there, and there's Elon some Musk things that you just can't say and then jokes where, that are not funny and things that right. shouldn't be discussed and wherever you fall anywhere on the dave Chappelle debate he's fallen out of favor with leftists right <laughs> and he's like and elon's all like well, it was the leftists booing me. I don't. <laughs> I just can't get over that. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. big big spoon, five dollars. He says Elon Musk is awesome. The only people who are booing were the people who are fired from Twitter in the nosebleeds. <laughs> God, I was just trying to get away from this jackass. Yeah, they're like, I just I bought tickets before I was let go. <laughs> Yeah. I just thought that this would really cheer me up, damn it. <laughs> yeah. All right. One of our title stories uh, is it's finally happened. You can finally buy a two terabyte SSD for $100. Uh, now, someone asked very early in the chat, it better be Gen 4. <laughs> no. Uh, no, in fact, Team Group has unveiled their Vulcan Z drive, which is a TLC triple level cell uh, solid state drive. It is SATA based because that's the only way you could possibly make this affordable. Uh, but a SATA SSD, two terabytes of storage, $101 retail cost. Wow. That is absolutely insane. Uh, it wasn't just two years ago, that one terabyte finally hit the $100 price point. Um, I've been starting to see one terabyte drives for under $80 as of recently. And this is the kind of thing, barring, you know, multi-hundred gigabyte installs for games. I'm looking at you like Call of Duty and Red Dead Redemption and crappy fallouts in triple digits. Uh Unless game storage radically explodes, you might consider going 100% SSD for your next PC. Um, now, obviously, this SSD doesn't have DRAM cache. It's not going to be as fast as your high-performance SSDs. It's not going to have quite the random and sequential read-write as one with a DRAM cache in it. But it's probably still faster than your hard drive, especially when it comes to random tasks, because it doesn't have to wait for that drive to come around and read the correct bit and then make sure it's the correct bit and then finally send it upstream. It just knows where it's at in the table of contents, so it can pull it right up. Now, there still is some latency in finding the data. There's still some latency in getting you the data. 
there are some hard drives, some mechanical hard drives, which may beat this in write speed for sequential writes. Uh, but that's kind of a niche area that isn't used a lot outside of like game installations. Even loading game data is random IO. It's usually 4K seek. And so if you've been on the fence about like, oh man, I want to build a new PC, but I don't know if I want to, you know, spend $180 for a two terabyte SSD. I'd rather just spend, you know, $60 for a two terabyte hard drive. This might be the thing that finally flips that that the other direction. It's only $40 more if we're going to use the NVIDIA argument. It's only $40 more. <laughs> okay, bro. <laughs> God, $40. That's a lot of money to some people. Yep. Uh, wait, you... Uh, well, you all are not already 100% SSD. I know my audience. Are you kidding? They all should be. You don't all have NASA rays? <laughs> I've got one desktop that's completely solid state. And then I've got one desktop that is not. You don't all have SSD <laughs> rays? Like, what? Jeff, those are under NDA. No, what are not. you doing? No, they're not. Shut up. That's for a project next week. I was making a joke. God. You're terrible at this. Oh, by, just... the way, the, by the way, the camera hasn't been on the whole time. We're not actually on the air. You fool. <laughs> I got him. Finally got him, guys. I did it. <laughs> the thing is, he tries that every time. Oh, no. Oh, the camera wasn't recut. Oh, and I'm like... There's a giant ass red tally light that I look for because I recorded myself for four years straight. <laughs> One day I'm going to get you. Nope. Yeah, I'll get you. Nope. <laughs> Might not be that exact joke. It'll be another one. Like, uh -huh. like oh, no. Uh, something else happened. The swamp gas got in the way of the camera footage. Flared off reflections of a weather balloon from Venus. And... <laughs> I'm going to catch you at the perfect moment. Yep. Uh, well, why didn't you check for swamp gas off the weather balloons in Venus? Mm -hmm. It's on the checklist, Rhett. <laughs> and now, just for you, it's going to be. <laughs> Dang it. Is Jupiter in retrograde? Sorry, we can't film today. <laughs> Jupiter makes the video stupider. Nailed it. All right. And finally, we do have a little bit of Intel news. Uh, there's been some speculation as far as will Intel be continuing the LGA 1700 chip? Uh, we've kind of known they wouldn't pass Raptor Lake, but there's, there's always been this sliver of hope, right? Of like, please don't make us change sockets every two generations. I I can't be the only one who's getting tired of this. Uh, you know, we had 1156, then 1155, then 1150, then 1151, then 1200, and then 1700, and now 1851. So nice. 1851 uh, is... 
Allegedly confirmed, how's that for uh, media spin? According to leaked Intel documentation, LGA 11, or 1851 is confirmed to be the new Meteor-like-S desktop CPU, which will actually support LPDDR5X 7500 memory. That's exciting. <laughs> the memory part is exciting, not exciting that there might be new CPU mounting specifications. I don't know. I'm excited for it all. It's supposed know? to use the same standards as LGA 1700 as far as CPU coolers go. And so at least your cooler won't have to be upgraded or at least for like reviewers and whatnot, you can use the same Intel coolers that you've already been using. But come on. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Got to take the good with the bad. 1851, a good year, a good whiskey, actually. Wasn't that when Oregon became a state? 1859. Mm, dang it. It was one of the 1850-odd numbers. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm just not a true Oregon patriot, you know? What can you do about it? Nothing what to be done. Up? Nothing to be done. I, I did know it was Valentine's Day. Did you know our, our state anniversary was February 14th? I did know that. Okay, yeah. we achieved statehood on February 14th, 1859. Yeah, like the cider company. Yeah. It's a good way to remember it. I wonder yeah. if they knew that. They did. That's why they picked it. <laughs> you idiot. Not, so everybody, stupid. not everybody's an idiot like me, Jeff. I, I'm, I'm trying to bring it down for the audience. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> wonder if that, like, I'm wondering out loud. I wonder if that's why they chose it. I wonder if there is, if they're smarter than you, Rhett. I wonder if they put some thought and care into their decisions, unlike you and everything that you do and touch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, we got about 15 to 20 minutes left. Uh, we don't have any other news to get to. We could dive into like 7900 XT and XTX news. Long story short, it's between 30 and 60% faster than the 6900 XT or more accurately, the 6950 XT. Um, definitely falls short of the 4090, goes toe for toe with the 4080 in almost every single circumstance and costs $200 less. So take those results as you will. Uh, but anyway, uh, new craft extra smarter than Rhett. <laughs> that's too easy to shoot. <laughs> yeah. No script. That's necessary. just, that's just turn the camera on on Tuesday in the office. Like that's. <laughs> yeah. Not too hard guys. It's not so, too hard. So I, I have the ultimate supervisor desk set up here where, my streaming desk actually faces my editing workstation. Now the editing workstation <laughs> is sitting perpendicular to me. So he's at a 90 degree angle facing the monitor that's mounted on this wall over here. And I will be, no lie, facing my computer and he'll be going, how do I do this? And I go, what are you trying to do? And he goes, I'm looking for the, and I go, not there. Cause not only do I know what he's already trying to do, I know he's in the wrong place. And, <laughs> I didn't even have to look up. It's not hard. No. Plus, it's a 
well, he doesn't have to look up, but I was going to say, plus it's a giant screen, though. So, of course, you know, it's very it obvious. It is a 43 inch 4K display, like. And it basically flashes red every time I do something stupid. So, right. Yeah, I've, I've got a script that runs. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's got the webcam on top and it's tracking your <laughs> eyes. And if they gloss over for more than three seconds. <laughs> That's advanced. Uh, I had a feeling about that. I had a feeling about that. That explains so many other things, too. <laughs> oh. Cheers, guys. I need to finish patching. Great show. It's not Patch Tuesday. What are you patching on a Wednesday for? Go home. Have a whiskey. But good luck, Chuck. Uh... Spoon wants to know if we can just talk about how awesome Big Big Spoon is. Um, I mean, he drinks okay whiskey. Is that awesome, though? Do you think drivers are supposed to have a big uplift? Uh, in what are you referring to, Lucid? Uh, uplift. He's talking about animals when we begin to uplift other species, giving them human-like intelligence. Do drivers need to have an uplift, uh, like an uplifted animal butler driver, um, like a good chimpanzee, all a sort of Planet of the Apes? State Farm is there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we can insure you. Do you have an uplift driving? No? Okay, then it's going to be double. Okay, okay. Personally, I'm going to have an uplifted octopus driving for me. It just feels a little bit more on par. Eight appendages, less to go wrong. But, you know. <clears throat> All right. Uh, 7900 XT and XTX. Linus mentioned that. Uh, drivers being a big uplift. I'm still not sure in reference to what. Uh, like driver improvements in the months to come who the hell knows uh rdna3 is iterative on rdna2 it's not a brand new architecture from the ground up and so a lot of the driver support for rdna2 should already be there for rdna3 it should just be a faster architecture um so yeah i i, I guess i'm not understanding the context that you're asking that question in. Anyway, uh, let's see. What are we doing around the studio this week? Uh, I've got a project that I can't share yet. Uh, let's see, $5, big, big spoon. Ask Alexa what's more pop, what's the most popular whiskey is. Uh, say it so it activates Alexa, Google, and Siri for everyone. Um, well, I can ask that out loud because there's no AI or listening device in my house. It's how I roll. And so, hey, Alexa, what's the most popular whiskey? But everybody watching knows the uh, Star Trek theme we got going on. So they changed Alexa's name. Right. Computer. Computer. What's the most popular whiskey? There you go. You just pissed off like 17 people. <laughs> They're like, oh, what an idiot. He doesn't know I changed the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got him. I know a number of people personally who have changed it to computer. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I do have a device in my house. 
And uh, mostly we use it just for listening music hands-free in the kitchen, but uh, right, right, which is such an awful use to have such an intrusive device, but whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know what I need? And now it's not even that good. It's like Pandora. It's like you get five skips an hour. It doesn't even like, I could be like, Hey, play this album. And it'll be like playing this song and songs like it. And I'm like, I, no, no, no. I album, album. Yeah. And it used to be so much more. It used to have so much more music like that, but now they want you to pay for Amazon music and things like this. It's just awful. So um, I am on a grandfathered Pandora account. Uh, the two ninety nine unlimited where I have as many skips as I want. If I want to listen to an album, I just select that artist. Um, I can't choose individual songs, but I can choose albums. Uh, so it's not quite like Spotify level. It's, it's a little bit more, uh, forced diversity radio, a little bit more radio like, uh, but for $3 a month, I've just kind of kept it on because we use it all the time. Still, uh, I, I used to commute over an hour, one direction to go to work, um, over the years we pared that down and and uh i think my final commute before i moved into this house was like 42 minutes or something like that so spent a significant not insignificant amount of time in the car and uh had pandora for like a decade heck yeah yeah buddy of mine when i was a senior in high school he went off to college and he came back for christmas and he said well uh my two best friends are pandora and hulu and I thought, what kind of college is he going to where people are named Pandora and Hulu? And I thought that this guy had legitimate friends named Pandora and Hulu for the longest time. It wasn't in, it took me like an extra six months to realize that Pandora was a music service. <laughs> <laughs> Pandora, who would name their child Pandora? And I thought, like, I just guess, the implications of that name. <laughs> right. And I thought, well, maybe it's one of these new age families. I mean, or maybe, you know, it's college. Don't open that I'm, toy box. Right? I went. To, I, I grew up in a small conservative town and, and he's going off to big old college town. I mean, maybe right. this was a chosen name of some sort, you know, and they're just like, <laughs> I am no longer Sarah. I am Pandora. I don't know what happens at college. I've never gone, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a couple people's uh, Alexa's responded with Jim Beam is the most popular whiskey. I've got a bottle of Jim Beam upstairs. I've I mean, got a bottle of Jim Beam myself. So, and then some people are all upset. They're like, well, technically, a bourbon isn't a whiskey, but or whatever. I don't know what they're saying, but I, I don't associate with those people. To me, you know, a whiskey comes in many forms and many different spellings, and they are all accepted here. To me, a except bourbon, black velvet. To me, a bourbon is just a whiskey made in Kentucky, you know? So there you go. Kentucky, they have their own ways of making whiskey, and they call it bourbon. Bourbon is a 51% or higher uh, corn mash. I know what it is. Okay, just making sure, and I'm defining for those outside as well. Also, it has to be aged for at least three years and distilled and barreled in its primary location. You cannot 
move it. You cannot move it. You, you have to distill it and barrel it at the same location. Now, after it's been barreled and aged, you can then move it and bottle it somewhere else, which is how MGP gets around a lot of those, those things. But a lot of MGP whiskeys, so random whiskey houses that show up and, and whatnot, people will buy a bunch of whiskeys from MGP and they will blend them together to get a flavor profile they are after. And then they'll sell it as whatever whiskey they want, but it will always say something like distilled in Illinois because that's where MGP is at. So let's see. Uh, so Lucid was saying maybe he's misunderstanding. Uh, maybe they're misunderstanding, uh, but he said he expects drivers to add more performance when it comes to some titles. That may be, and uh, early reviews are always... Day one reviews are always a little finicky. Number one, reviewers don't get drivers until sometimes like three days before release because their graphics card manufacturers are so scared that benchmarks are going to get out early. Um, which I get like protecting your intellectual property and making sure your launch is good and everything like that. But it's not like the YouTube algorithm versus your product launch of a graphics card. You're not, you're hoping for good day one sales, but what you're really hoping for is that you have a good product and it continues to sell. Um, so I wish more people would understand that. And I wish the review, uh, the review cycle, the review circuit, you know, reviewers, would get better looks at products before they launched and that game developers and, and driver makers would have more opportunity to start integrating features earlier rather than we can test these five games, but we ran into anomalies with another seven because the drivers have not been updated to work with this API properly, or there needs to be optimizations made, or it works a little bit differently than it did on the last generation card, or hey, we encountered this bug that made this game unplayable. That happens every single graphics card launch. And the really frustrating thing is very few review outlets will go back in time and review cards a year later or six months later. Uh, it's the release reviews and then your reviews are done and then you're just doing builds and things like that. That chart that, that I've referred to, like that some hardware outlets will use or review outlets will use to compile the top to bottom definitive spec of this is the best and this is the worst and then in order everything in between that chart is a lot more fluid than uh than they would like to let on because of driver updates and api changes and a whole bunch of other things that happen in the lifetime of a graphics card um probably my most famous example of vindication and and whatnot was on my gtx 1650 review i reviewed the card and i call it the i called it the new budget king as long as it was 159 dollars. the card that was sent to me for review was 179 dollars, and i said that 20 dollars at this price point makes a huge difference and 179 dollars for this card is just not worth it when there's other cards just above it that are so much better but at 159, it makes a lot of sense for some budget builds. Um, 
And I said, for the ultimate budget card, it's probably the new king. And I got raked over the coals. Hardware Unboxed was saying, why does that card even exist? And and Gamers Nexus said that NVIDIA is just taking advantage of stupid consumers. Fast forward 18 months and the 1650 at $149 was probably the budget card to get because the RX 570 didn't exist anymore. That's why that card existed. Those charts are fluid. <laughs> and by the way, I respect the hell out of Steve and Steve and Tim uh, at, at those respective places. I, I'm friends with, uh, with Steve and Tim over at uh, Hardware Unboxed. But uh, we don't always agree. And that's 100% okay because we have different criteria on which we're judging, which is why we always recommend all three of us back and forth watch everyone's review on something because everyone's going to give a different perspective. Everyone has different things they're looking at, taking us all the way back to the beginning of this episode yeah. where there are other considerations other than 100% raw performance. And sometimes you need someone to give you the review you're looking for. Yeah. A really bad analogy of that is like me driving the Nissan Leaf that I'm driving. Like a lot of people are like, what are you doing? But the reality is, is that it's doing exactly what I need a car to be doing right Why now. Why didn't you just buy a Model 3? Right. right. They're like, if you were going to go EV, why didn't you go Tesla? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you buy new? I bought a first generation Nissan Leaf. Number one, because the price was right. Number two, it goes and does what I need it to do. But don't you have range anxiety? No, I did. Not anymore because I because I've driven it and I know how far it goes. Mm -hmm. I know how far it goes on a hot day. I know how far it goes on a cold day. Well, what do you mean? You get different ranges depending on the weather. Yeah, you do in <laughs> gas as well, moron. <laughs> yeah, but they don't think about it like that. Yeah, they don't think about it like that. I mean, E fifteen like does not increase your gas mileage. <laughs> think about it like this: I spent like two years using my motorcycle to commute. Mm -hmm. That doesn't get much more range than my Leaf does, but nobody right. is moaning about that. Well, you that's because you have the freedom of a motorcycle. Yeah, oh, it's so the free. Road, right. <laughs> yeah, so free. And almost the same limitations in a weird way. Like, yeah, I could stop at a gas station and fill up, but like still cold on a cold day. You know what I mean? Like, Can't turn the heater on. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'm at with the Leaf. People are like, people are like why would you subject yourself to that again? Again, the price was right, and it does what I need. Right. My first car didn't have a heater either. Okay, and it didn't have AC. Yep. This is this is a step. Honestly, this is nicer than my first car. The only difference is it doesn't go as far. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time, Rhett. Give it time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Yeah, people people got to consider lots of different angles when they're looking at things. When you're looking at price, when you're looking at mm -hmm. you know what market is this trying to fill? Yeah, there's always going to be somebody. So different people have different needs and expectations and desires out of their vehicles, out of their life partners, out of their living arrangements, yeah, out of their, their furniture, PCs, their furniture, their TV shows, their music. Everyone is different. And you can have different expectations for what is acceptable. It's totally yeah. okay. Yeah. 
I like to look at it like a point by system. Uh, you know, when you're you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or a board game or mm-hmm. something like that, it's like where can you make this sacrifice? Like when I was making a wrestler on WWF No Mercy for the N64, you know, you might be you might put your points into strength, or you might point it put it into somewhere else, and you might take a couple more roughneck moves before you take uh, those. I can't even remember the wrestling styles in that game. It's sad. I should hook it up and play some, but. Point being, you could make sacrifices in one area if it meant you got more points in another. Right. You know, I wasn't going to buy an AMD graphics card, but I got the 6900 XT for like 700 bucks. I guess I'm an AMD gamer now. No. <laughs> <laughs> no mercy, my guy. Heck yeah, Rev. You know what? I'm going to get on my N64 tonight. We're doing there you this. Go. There you go. <laughs> you can see my awful taste in uh, just general style uh, by all of the custom wrestlers I created. And and you can see what an $80 game got you back in 1999. Hundreds of hours of entertainment. I saved quarters to buy that game. I went to Toys R Us and I bought it with quarters. So there you go. As much as I'd like to like to keep the show going, we are sort of uh, edging up on the uh, Secret Santa time. Yes. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Last Christmas, I bought you a beer. <laughs> and something happened. Something ha- you drank it. Yeah. And so this Christmas, I bought you some more I bought you more beer <laughs> yeah give it to someone special give it to someone special indeed yep. someone like our fellows over on the craft computing discord a dollar a month hey, you. gets you exclusive access what was that Are i you get through the speakers for a second I, I don't know. Uh, for some reason, it connected me to voice chat in my Discord. I didn't click on anything. Oh, but all of a sudden, already waiting for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, they're already waiting for us. Oh, here they are. Yeah, and uh, Dollar Month gives you access to the Discord server where you could talk with me, with Jeff, with John and Steve, all of the hosts from Talking Heads and more in our awesome community. And also Funky Monk. Uh, one of our uh, mods will pester you this time next year and say, do you want to join our super secret awesome Santa giveaway? Uh, not giveaway. Exchange. Exchange. Yes. Uh, where you could buy your fellows some awesome Where, local where we ship beer. each other totally legitimate packages of, of, hot of, of hot sauce and craft soda. Yeah. Because that's true. what you're allowed to ship. We keep it all above board and ship only the most delightful uh, craft hot sauce. Yes. Yes. Lots and lots of hot sauce. Great. Now Tom Lawrence is going to want to be on. You guys do a hot sauce exchange? You know, maybe I'll get that going for next year. You know, I haven't yet done the beer secret Santa exchange, uh, but maybe we ought to do some hot sauce because that's kind of my shtick. I mean, Obviously, I love beer too, yeah. but 
<laughs> the problem is, is when the Secret Santa thing started, I was broke. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my favorite shipping description that I've used a couple of times is yeast samples in suspension. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, that's going to do it for episode 263 of Talking Heads every Wednesday night here on Craft Computing or in podcast form at anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Make sure to like this video if you liked it. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. And as we were just saying, join the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. You'll get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can keep this conversation going all week long with the hosts of Talking Heads and the awesome community that hangs out over there. Uh, Rhett, anything good of the order before we close? Oh, nothing from me, except you could uh, go and check out my Dota's and Dragons at dndpodcast.org or follow me at Red is Awesome on Twitter or redisawesome.com. That's a place. Go check it out if you'd like to. Uh, otherwise, I'll be here every other week talking heads, keeping it real. Sweet. Thank you all for joining us. And as always, we'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. <laughs>